Welcome to the Pop Podcast. Starting now. This is Kayla. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Would you like to start over? We can. Or we could Clack just leave it. Or no. It's up to you. Hi. Hi. How are you? I am fabulous. Recovering from this wild ride of a movie. Sorry, I was just immediately thinking, are you horny? <laughs> I'm getting warmer. That was also, I don't still understand that response, but okay. We don't have to explain it though. No, it could have been like an inside joke. We need joke. to start again. Nope, no, this is good. Horny. This is great. Okay. Welcome to the it Pop Podcast. <laughs> we haven't even finished our intro the second time. I'm Kayla. I'm Emma. This is we. I feel so bad for you. <laughs> As you can tell, we uh, we are never organized with our introductions, and I, I'd like to keep it that way, because it keeps it a little more personal, a little, little more informal, a little more just like us talking to everyone else that's listening about Making movies. Making it a comfortable space, shows that we all make mistakes. Yeah, and some sometimes... more than others. Well, I was going to say some of us are less prepared than others, but... That's me. <laughs> But we kind of come to this, we come into this a little bit unprepared anyway. Like, I think there's only been one or two movies that we've actively watched ahead of time and then come in and recorded that, like, that episode. And I think nobody was when we mentioned the whole Daniel Radcliffe thing. And that's where we started this whole four-part series of Daniel Radcliffe movies. I don't regret it. This has been an awesome decision. Turns out that he's been in a bunch of great stuff. Good for him. Yeah, and there's so many movies that are out there that I really want to see. Like one of them that I was going to suggest was Escape from Pretoria, I think is what it's called. And I think it's based on like, like it's inspired by true events, which Pretoria is, I believe a, a city in South Africa. If I remember correctly, I'm not hundred percent sure. Please don't quote me. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I'm not saying this for sure, but I do think it's a, um, it's like a South African, like apartheid type movie. Hmm. No, I, I think, that one. but I'm not positive. I do want to watch that wilderness one. What is it, the Swiss Army Man? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, there was that one. Um, and there was one There was one where he was alone, and then one where he was, like, <clears throat> in a backpack or something. Am I nuts? I think that's Swiss Army Man is the one, is the backpack one, where it's, it's like, he's actually not the main... He might be bit by plot, but, like, the main guy is using this corpse, I believe, of Daniel Radcliffe to make it through the wilderness. I think that's what's going on. My goodness. But I need to see it. That's, like, the less I know, the better. The, the less I know about this stuff, it will be much better enjoying it. I am not one of those people that, you know, can't be surprised about movies, depending on what it is. Like, if it's a comedy, I'd be like, all right, if it's just, like, a funny movie, I can't just do that. I need to know something. Oh, I love being, like, in the know. I will look up things all about the movie before, during, and after it. I might forget some of the things I look up before, <laughs> but... If I want to know an answer, I will immediately Google it and find out. So this movie that we watched this week, um, I actually had seen a video of the ending part where he does that, you know, glorious thing, that thing. That thing and um, the whole scene, I'm like, what is this movie? And then I found out it was Horns and I just never watched it. Well, I managed to snag it on Netflix while it was free. And um, we went to watch it this week, and it was no longer free and available on Netflix. It was only available for rental or purchase on Amazon, Hulu, uh, another service, Redbox. Um, yeah. So 
I ended up buying it because I do plan to watch it again. I thought it was good. Overall. It very much demonstrates, like, how my life goes, though. A hundred percent. Especially after the day the that I've had. Luck. It just, it makes sense. That's almost my response to things now. It's just like, makes sense. Yeah. Throw me for a loop there. Thank you. It's like you can't always get what you want there. So this movie is Horns. Um, oh, uh, I don't think I have any goofs and gaffs from last week. Do you remember anything that we completely botched or anything? Do I remember anything ever? Do you remember anything? <gasps> oh my gosh. Okay, so Do you I know, remember something? I do remember something just now. Okay, so you know how I leave cabinets and stuff open? Oh my god. I don't mean to. I really, I've been trying so hard to do better. But anyway, I leave cabinets open. It's just, it is known. So, anyway, I did one that I've not done before, and I accidentally left the dryer open today, and we found out because Momo was in the dryer, asleep. Kenny went to go shut the dryer, and he was like, get out of the dryer! And I was like, who's in the dryer? I think it's going to be my child, and it was my other child. It was the Prince yeah, Momo. He was just sleeping there. He was like, hun... I love you, and I understand about your little quirks, and you can't shut the cabinets. That's fine. I've accepted it, but you gotta, gotta shut, shut the, the dryer. dryer. It's not a. It's it can't be a no. That's it's, non-negotiable it's, because, uh, yeah, I've actually heard of people. Which fortunately, I think the cat was unharmed. I think there was a situation where somebody that I know, and I can't remember who it was, and it was recent that somebody told me this. Oh, but no, they, they the, the cat them. was in the dryer, oh. and I don't know if they started the cycle, but the cat started meowing. Obviously, yeah. so. They let the cat out of the dryer. Up until at least 2017, I could fit in a dryer. You probably still could. I mean, I don't want to break my dryer trying it though. But I'm not worried about breaking the dryer. Contact with a dryer we don't need. I'll get in it. I'm worried about breaking you to get in the dryer. Are you sure? I'll fit in it. Yeah. Do we have anything dryer sized here? I have a dryer. I don't want to hurt your dryer. (laughs) I'll do it. I got so motivated just now to get in a dryer. No, I know I can't. I can tell you now, my dryer, the drum of mine is pretty big. You could definitely fit inside it. I, I don't even question it. That's awesome. But I am claustrophobic, and seeing you inside a dryer or a dryer-sized object would actually destroy me. I could not. I'm the opposite of claustrophobic. I love, like... You're like the gravity blanket type person. Yeah. <clears throat> like, just let me be in a tight little cozy space, 15 million pillows just suffocating me. Blankets on me in a cupboard somewhere. Yeah, that's not for me. So anyway, horns, bunny trails. Yes, uh, I just remembered that thing. So yeah, that that movie we're recording for. Uh, horns was released in 2013. So this is this has got a little bit of age on it too. And I say age like yes, I know that was eight years ago. But think about it. Eight years ago, where were you? For a lot of people, somewhere completely different than you are now. Like. Eight years is a freaking long time. And Eight especially in the movie ago, industry. For me, I was 17 years old. Yeah, no kidding. And yet we're at the age, too. And, like, I feel like our, our audience would also be at the age where... Is that right? Eight years ago, our oldest would be, like, maybe in their early 20s. That does not sound right. That was 17 when this came out? Okay. Um, It's possible because I was I'm almost... 25. I was so. almost 19 when I graduated in 2012. 25 minus 5, or... That would be 20. Yeah, it's 20, and then minus the extra 3 is 17. Yep. So I would have been, yeah, roughly three years older than you, give or take. Well, my I don't want to count, 
But yeah, so in 2013, some of us were still in high school. Uh, this is a, this had a lot of genres attached to it, once again, depending on which platform you chose. Ooh, platform. I want to, I want to guess what the genres is, genres are. Genre. This, this is Kentucky, you can say what you want. I want to guess what the genres is. I'm going to have to stab um, the horse fly with a knife. Is it a knife? Uh, I would say maybe like, it's not a thriller. No. What is? Okay, go with the obvious maybe one suspense. first. suspense, is that the word? Um, I could give it a suspense, but that's not one that I saw. That's not the right word, though. Like, man, I don't have a good guess. Well, th- an obvious genre would be fantasy. I didn't know that was a genre I could pick from. So cool. Yeah. That sci-fi one. fantasy is usually lumped into one, but it's it's really two separate okay. genres. Well, see, when I think like sci-fi, I think immediately like way futuristic. Just well, and you think science fiction, not fantasy fiction. Yes. Not the not the mystical fiction, and I think that's the dividing line for me, and that's why they're grouped together too. It's like. It's supernatural fiction typically will go under sci-fi and fantasy. It's it's Then I will agree with that. Yeah, Good so, for them. Because of the mysticism of it and the weirdness and the, just kind of the magical nature and almost the spiritualistic aspect. The fact I would that say I was fantasy. sitting there 90% of the time with my mouth literally open going, "What is happening right now?" Yeah. Well, we'll get there. Uh it was also listed as a drama crime. Um not crime drama. 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 That's the, crime. I think drama was the word I was looking for. Like something dramatic. Something happening. dramatic, yeah. Something building up, but not yeah. quite like drama is such intimidating a broad like genre though. Like I hate calling something a drama, but it's like sometimes that's all you can call it. That shit was dramatic. It was dramatic, yeah. Uh it was rated R. There is some nudity. Um there's actually quite a bit of nudity, um, lots of sexual innuendos and sexual scenes, things like that. It has a runtime of technically one hour and 59 minutes and 55 seconds, but it's rounded up to two hours. This is a long movie. And there's there's a lot to unpack here. Um, it was directed by Alexandra Aja. I think it's Aja because he's French and it was like he made his stage name based on like the first letters of his like name or something or like somebody he knew. So I do believe it's Aja. Uh, I couldn't find anything saying anything different. Our top build cast are Daniel Radcliffe, obviously. Um, Marin is played by a woman named Juno Temple. Uh, we have Max Mingella. Mingella? Mingella? I don't know how to pronounce that exactly. That's another one I'll have to fix later. And Joe Anderson. And then also I put in parentheses, he's not really a top build cast, but I love this actor so much, and I've mentioned him to you already. I love David Morse. He makes a few appearances in this film. He's not, like, super strong in this film, but um, he does make he does have a recurring role. Who's the actor role. I recognized? The dad of Iggy. The dad of Iggy, the not dad the dad of, of Iggy, Marin. Uh, James Ramar. James Ramar, yeah. Or yeah. Remar, Ramar. He, he was Dexter's dad, I think. <clears throat> yep. So we each recognized a dad. Yeah, David Morse has been in a lot, and I, I like that guy. And then James Ramar does seem to be more of a silver screen actor. Silver screen, I guess, is TV. He was good in what I had seen him in, I think. I mean, I didn't look at his face and go, I hate that guy. <laughs> I didn't do that with anybody in this film, fortunately. Um, this the film, mom hit her face. Well, we'll unpack it when we get there. Uh, this film was distributed by actually two film studios, which is interesting because that normally I haven't seen that yet. Actually, on the ones that I've researched, but I think it was because a Canadian. It was a Canadian American comedy. I'm assuming one is an American company and one is a Canadian company. Um, you've got the Dimension Films and then Radius TWC. TWC. Sorry, W. I say it like Bush. W. W. C. 
Yeah, that's the Kentucky leaking out into my accent. What little bit of country that I have kind of seeps in sometimes. Um, it was produced it. by Red Granite and Mandalay Films as well. Um, so those are the smaller production companies that worked on it, but Dimension and Radius TWC uh, are the DW. ones that... T-W. See, it sounds weird when you say it properly. Like, dang. Um, but yeah, that's that's pretty much as far as I got as the uh, specs. So now we'll shift on over into the synopsis, the general synopsis of the film. Our very, very quick little summary In the aftermath of his girlfriend's mysterious death, a young man, which is Daniel Radcliffe, awakens to find strange horns sprouting from his head. And that's pretty much what we're given going on. (laughs) That's it. Wow. Um, Yeah. There's much more than just the horns, though. Yes. And actually, the way this film is set up, it kind of reminds me in a way, I don't know if you've seen Wrath of Man, but I don't want to spoil too much because if you haven't, it's a really good action film. Jason Statham, highly recommend um wrath of man it's kind of divvied up into like four or five acts and they're actually clearly labeled and this movie is kind of set up that way as well not intentionally it's just it has blocky like it felt like they could have at any point in time like during those points that we had talked about when we were separating the body i felt like at any point during those separations it could have been like a whole black screen like chong chong like law and order and then like, done like a title card the next <laughs> dun, dun. literally <laughs> yeah done like a commercial break or something like that there or even like an like episode big break scenes or turning points where it was like oh we are in a whole new act here yeah and i think that's where it gets into the the you are like i don't know what's going on because a lot of this stuff does happen like that it's very blocky very like sudden when things occur you There's just a lot of whiplash. unpacking all kinds of layers. Onions have layers. Oh, <laughs> y'all know what I meant. Ogres have layers. Wow, you really just had to show me up hard right there, didn't you? <laughs> I wasn't trying to show you up. I was trying to accentuate that that was funny, but no, that's okay. It was great. That was a really solid impression, actually. Thank you. You pulled from your uh, ancestral roots there to really yeah, the good old Scottish good genes. Accent. The funny thing is, I can't understand like Scots at all. Like all the ones on I TikTok, I have to like, read the subtitles. Aren't they, as far as like a survey says or whatever, like one of the hardest to understand accents, even between uh, different the areas? The British Isles and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And yes, the British Isles is not just England. I'm just throwing that out there. Yeah, the Scot the Scottish people are hard to understand, and I do believe Mike Myers is Scottish, or at least definitely has that like maybe Yorkshire accent, even like that um, the non London accent. It's like once you get outside of London, you start to see kind of like in America, you see like more dialects, and you see more oh, yeah. different varying accents based on if you Just get closer to Wales, based on if you get to closer spot. to the coast, you you get closer to Scotland. They all have vastly different accents. And then London is done like this, where you pronounce every single letter, except when you have, you know, paper, you drop the R. But then when you have an area rug, you add an R. You watch that girl on TikTok, too. What? Do you watch that girl on TikTok, Mm -hmm. too? Oh, my gosh. She's a girl. So she does the one that I'm particularly talking about. I'm sure there's plenty of them. But she does voice acting or something, but she specifically switches between actresses. And she'll switch from like, and first we're gonna be like this one, and my voice is up here, and blah, 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 and then we're gonna, then we're gonna dial it back to the back of my throat, and blah, blah, blah. and then she's like a whole new actress. That's and crazy. Like, and every one of them, I'm like, yes, you are. The the back of the throat sounds more like um, almost Helena Bonham Carter. I'll find it and I'll and I'll send it to you because she's got, I mean, she's got a bunch of them. Yeah, I'll have, I definitely would appreciate that. You just you get you get zoned in because you're like that is oh where was the one. 
I bet she had a tag on it. She's the girl that uh, is, was famous for that peach scene, the Netflix show where she's like, you touch my peach. That actress, she did her voice. Oh, my God. Not a clue. So speaking of accents and actually how, how poorly we do with ours, oh, uh, going into this film, all of these <laughs> actors and actresses that are like your top four and five are British and mm, English, excuse me. They're, they're British. That's not wrong. But specifically, they were all born in England. And from what I could tell, they were actually all English actors, not just like born in England. Because, I mean, you know, Bruce Willis is born in Germany, bit. but he's American. We pointed out a couple of bits where he was like, oh. Yep. You talked a little proper there. Yep, yeah. Have to dumb like, it down for us. Oh, the, uh, the, sing-song, the sing-song accent of the British people seeped in there. Uh, but anyway, so this movie, it's, it's set up into kind of like three or four segments. And it's definitely like pre-horns, which is all setting up the current story, not even the backstory. It's all setting up the current story of what's going on. Right now. And what little we know. Yeah. Yeah, it's like you've got, um, they are in this like little clearing, not even really a clearing, but they're in the forest and there's like this little tree house. You've got Iggy and Marin, who are the main people in this film and like Iggy is saying how he's narrating the film very occasionally throughout and he was saying how perfect this day was that him and Marin were talking and she was like are you horny and he was like I'm getting warmer that's that's where that quote came from and um they kind of start getting you know a little bit hot and heavy not like too far a little frisky and they're just actually just, just having a good time like nothing really gross about it or anything and then um all of a sudden, like, we kind of, like, flip, like, literally, like, the camera kind of flips, and it start it goes through the, kind of through the ground, and on the other side of it, we literally have Iggy, and I think it's symbolic of, in a very simple sense, his world has been turned upside down. He's laying was. on the floor, yeah. drunk, passed out, but he's on the ceiling, like, the, the image is inverted. So he's, like, his world has been turned upside down, he's drunk, he's alone, something went wrong. And you don't know, unless you've researched the film, you don't know what happened. And he wakes up, and he's kind of, like, um, he starts this record, and he really kind of gets into the music and starts kind of daydreaming. That's a good, yeah, because I was, I put it down as, like, it was a dreamy sequence. Yeah, and he was reminiscing about how beautiful she was while she was dancing to this particular song in the treehouse, this, this Marin woman. And... Then he opens the curtains, and it's kind of comedic in a way. And it, I mean, it is kind of a, a dark comedy sometimes throughout. It's sprinkled well throughout. Uh, and he opens the curtains, and it's like there's a mob outside of his home in this little small town. And they're like, you're a murderer! You're a murderer! You killed her, you devil! Kind of thing. And they're like yelling at him and stuff like that. And uh, it was definitely a stark contrast from what had just happened like we said it was kind of dreamy and then all of a sudden people are like basically pitchfork and torches attacking this guy and um not attacking physically although i think they throw stuff at his car but he like the reporter as soon as he walks out on his front doorstep he's like so what does it feel like to be able to get away with murder and yeah he is clearly well i'm not gonna say clearly because nothing is clear at the beginning no like i said we are given no information and it's it's almost where you can't tell if it's a daydream that he had just broken out of, like what is reality and what was not, because he was thrown so suddenly into self-loathing. Yeah, just completely different transition there. Just 
Yeah, so the whole town thinks he's getting away with murder, and then he's convinced that he's not. So it's like, you're starting out the movie asking, did he actually kill this woman? Yeah, like, did he do it? And that's the, when I watched it, I watched it alone once and then watched it just now with her, and I thought the exact same thing. Like, when you asked me, did he kill her? I was like, I'm not going to answer your questions. But uh, she asked me if he had done it, and I actually asked myself the same question. It definitely points to the fact that he is still a suspect. Oh, yeah, there's, this is very uh, plot twisty. You don't know, you don't know what's going on. Yeah. They're, they're going, they're going to... It just threw me for a loop. I just don't even have, like, I literally sat there with my mouth open for half of it because I was just like, what in the world? He ended up going to his parents' house, right? First thing? Yeah. I I have it in my notes, but I don't want to look back because I took, like, four pages of notes. I need to calm down. Um, Yeah, he ended up going to his parents' house, and it's clear that things are tense at home. People don't know if he did it or not. They are not confident. His own family is not confident in him. Absolutely not. And... You find out, um, just a snippet from when the reporters were hounding him at his home, he asks Lee, who is his lawyer and longtime friend, and Terry is standing there talking to him too. He's like, do you hear that, like a reporter told me this morning, that the lab that had my test results in it burned down? And Lee was like, oh my God, like, what What do you mean? Like, there could have been stuff in there that could have saved you, like not saved you, I, I don't know, because he doesn't, I think it's clear that, Lee and Terry absolutely believe from the beginning that Iggy did not do it. I think, in my opinion, they you could tell that they believe him when he says he didn't do it. And I don't know if it's just, like, brotherly support or if it's, like... You can tell that they're the only two that are really showing kindness to him right now. That they're not, like, backing it with, like, oh, like, I'm your family and I'm gonna hug you, but you're actually a murderer and this is uncomfortable. Yeah, it's like they weren't basically pointing fingers at him. They didn't give those him. vibes. They were just still acting normal, like, I got you, buddy. Yeah, they were like, look, we'll support you through it, and if you did, you did, and if you didn't, you didn't. It was just like, but We've we're trying to get to the bottom of it. What? We've been friends since childhood. Yeah, that that line gets thrown, <clears throat> a lot, thrown around a lot in this film, because this is a small town. Um, but the throughout like and that actually that whole snippet there a lot of it is smoke and mirrors to keep us guessing on who was where who was like where were these people when who was involved who wasn't involved you're suspicious of this person you're not suspicious of this person i literally have so many lines where i would write down what i thought was a guess and then like a scene and a half later i'm scribbling it out and i'm like oh nope that was stupid (laughs) yeah so then from there we end up um, I can't remember exactly what happens, but he ends up in a bar and he starts kind of drinking himself under the table. Like he's depressed and like the people at the bar, like the bartender's like, we don't want you around these parts. You make people uncomfortable. And then you look over and see these like, you know, grizzled bikers at the seats next to him. And he's like, you think I make these men uncomfortable? It was, it was definitely, um, comical seeing how this little five foot six, normal-ish Daniel Radcliffe making everyone else in the bar uncomfortable and he kind of got kicked out by um by the bartender but one of his once again longtime friends named Glenna she kind of serves him and she gives him a drink and she's like anyone no one here deserves a drink more than you do she was like I, I understand it, it seems like she's kind of supporting him she's in the same way too friend. yeah she's another one that's actually genuine and not being not being judgmental let's say it yes. that way it's like they're not ruling him out or anything it's just She's trying to support him through this as a friend. 
she's like, once again, like, if you're innocent, you're innocent. If you're not, you're not. And also, you're kind of hot. After after the bar, that's when we go to the vigil. And we actually meet um, and another interesting character, which is David Morse's character, who is Marin's father. His name is Dale. I had to think about it. I really had to process that. Um, so Dale gives a speech and actually it's really sweet and it's very sad. And I at one point actually suspected Dale of having done it because like it, everyone in this town and you get it through flashbacks and stuff like that. Let's say most people in this town are very religious. A lot of them are in that church together. Um, and it was pretty much Dale and his daughter and that was it. Like, so I thought maybe because she was sleeping with Daniel Radcliffe's character with, she was sleeping with Iggy that maybe he kind of went like religious nut and killed his daughter. But that didn't last too long because once again, everything's smoke and mirrors. It's everybody is, everybody's a suspect, including Ig. But, um, he gives a speech about how he used to trust Ig and how he helped raise him too. Like he was like a kid to him. And, and then he did this to Marin behind his back and, you know, killed his only daughter and that's all he had left and you see Ig in the treehouse and he's actually participating in this vigil in his own way like he is like mourning he is genuinely yeah, sad yeah because there's no way with how the people in this town are acting there's no way he could have walked into the place and it not been a scene but he's got to grieve for her because he's been with her since they were kids yeah and um we see more of that in detail a little bit later after this Glenna catches him peeing all over the memorial and it's not in spite of like um Marin dying or anything like that or the killer he it's sees more a, of a lash out at like religion yes he, he smashed that statue too exactly he smashes the icon of Mary which is like this little like like 12 inch statue and starts like peeing all over the candles and stuff and it's like the catholic like candles the big tall ones and stuff I don't know what they're called because I'm not catholic but he starts destroying all this stuff and peeing on everything. And Glenna catches him and drags him back home. And he wakes up the next morning. That's where we get into kind of this little act two of this film. We've gone from pre-horns to he is starting to get horns. He woke up and he's got these two bumps on his head. Oozing bumps. They're like bleeding uh. too. <laughs> Even I didn't think about it. I was I pointed at her if she wanted to talk, and it's like <laughs> I forgot that this part made her cringe as soon as she saw it. Like this, the visual effects in this are pretty good. I'm not gonna say they're perfect or anything, but like the makeup part of it, the the physical visual effects, yeah. definitely very good. And these these little horns start sprouting out of his forehead. And they're growing like real time. Like you're watching them, and they crack through his skin and poke through, and there's this just oh. It, it made my whole spine shiver, the crack that they used. It was a great sound effect. It was. And it was actually very reminiscent of, like, a tree branch, like, breaking and, like, like a big one breaking. Yeah, it was, like... Like, bone cracking, tree cracking. It was loud. It was... And it was it, pretty gnarly. It, you could tell it would hurt. It would have hurt. If it was on your head, yeah. that would hurt. Yeah, and where are they coming from? Like, you have to consider, too, like, is it just growing on the surface of his skull? Or is it, like, coming from inside his skull? Like, what's going on here, you know, scientifically? And that's just a question that'll never get answered. But, you know, that's that's me, science brain working. <gasps> Movies. Movies, yes. We said that a couple times. Movies. Yeah, but why didn't he just do this? Movies. We wouldn't have one if he did. Um... So anyway, he wakes up with these horns and stuff that are literally crackling and groaning and creaking as they're growing out of his, the sides of his head. And he 
kind of, and Glenn ends up waking up and she's like in the living room and she sees him and she kind of starts like fawning, but like she looks at him and she sees the horns and she's like, oh, okay. Pretty much like a cool horns and then moves on. Like she did not care. Yeah. And he's like, so you see them, right? And she's like, yeah, the horns. Yeah. And it's just like, like, why why are you not more concerned about this? (laughs) Exactly. And then she starts to kind of break down mentally and she's like. Oh, yeah, she had, like, these... a mental breakdown there. It was just, like, a total, like, brain collapse. Like, she just absolutely folded in on herself and was like, can I have these donuts? He's like, yeah, why are you asking? <laughs> like, just take the donuts. Can I like... have all six of these donuts? Eats one donut. That was awful. I'm going to get sick. Can I have more? He's like, Glenna, if your stomach hurts, why are you eating more donuts? So, like, you've got this weird scenario of, like, this woman sees the horns on his head, and she just slept with him, too, you know, and, uh, and no concern at all. She just, she Had confesses that she wants to pig out and get fat because she knows that kind of people only sleep with her because she's trash. And she's like, the only way people will want to sleep with me is if they're blackout drunk. And she fesses up that she kind of doesn't want to be the trash that she is seen as anymore, in a way. She would rather just be left alone. So it's like, he's like, why are you why are you telling me these things? Just eat the donuts. I don't care. Pig out. So she literally just, like, mashes her face into this box of donuts. And he just kind of walks out. And he's like, I have no idea what just happened. And then that takes us to the doctor's office. Hmm. Which starts an interesting series of scenes. First of all, let's... This is one of the spots... <laughs> Where I definitely was at a loss for words in the moment. I think there was two hours of I'm at a loss for words. It just, you you never know what you're going to see in the next scene for sure. Yeah, it starts kind of crazy. When you walk in, you've got this literally, the, the actress that played this little girl, I'm not saying she's like a great actress or anything, but Somebody the amount that she screamed. that child across a yard for even having the ability to make that noise. Absolutely. Like, this girl was screaming at the top of her lungs for a so solid five or ten seconds each scream. And it was continuous. Like, it wasn't like five or ten seconds now. And then, like, a minute later, five or ten seconds. No, this child well, was screaming. breath and then continued. She offended me. Yeah, she was offensive. Like, that's a that's a good word for it. She offended her mom, too, because her mom starts breaking down to Daniel Radcliffe also. Just, mm-hmm. I, I'm right there with you, buddy. I can't stand this kid. Yeah, I just want to, She's. I think she said, I want to like, punch her across the room. Yeah, I want to punch her right in the face. Isn't it dramatic? She was like, can I do it? He was like, no! Don't do that! She's like, you can't kick your child. And she's like, but I really want to. And he's like, no, please don't kick your child. And then he, like, goes to sign in and stuff like that. And the woman at the, the desk also starts, like, confessing and stuff, like, how she wants to to beat this child. But not because it's the child's fault. And she wants to beat the mom because it's the like, mom's fault. Can I just yell at the mom for just being such an asshole and letting her kid be an asshole? Like, what the hell? And he was like, yeah, if you feel like you need to. So then these two women get into a spat after they've asked him for permission to do the things that they want to do. And the little girl starts fessing up, too. And it's some, it goes along with something that the mom had said. And that actually when he grabs her hand, he sees is that she had been cheating on her husband with some golf pro. And, um, and the girl had witnessed it. A child neglect as well. Yep. The girl had witnessed the, the neglect she from her like, mom. She was like, I hate my mommy. I wish I could burn her with matches. She did. And I was like, in my brain, immediately, I was like, if my child was like a little child actress or whatever, 
You know what I wouldn't want her to learn? I wouldn't want her to learn the words, I will burn my mommy with matches. Yeah, no. I, I think I agree all. with you on that one. Like, it's dark. I don't need to put nothing in her head like that. No way. You also have to consider different children are different. <laughs> I was the child that uh, for my, oh, here's a story for you. I don't know if you know this, but I was being introduced to the, like the superintendent of a school over where, when I first moved over to Indiana, uh, we live close to the river. So like Indiana's right across the way from us. We moved to a small town in Indiana and um, it was like, we went to this new school and stuff like that. No big deal. We, the, we introduced to the superintendent. It was me and mom or the principal or somebody. And we go and talk to her and the lady hands me a piece of paper and tells me to draw a picture. So me at five years old ish, having seen Jurassic Park, having seen Jaws the Revenge, I hadn't seen the first one yet, uh, but I saw Jaws the Revenge because that makes sense. Uh, yeah, I decided to draw this lady a really cool picture of a diver getting his leg ripped off by a shark. And I drew everything. Like, I drew, like, the bone sticking out, like, the blood detail, that like, the ripping of the flesh. like something you would do. Yeah. So, my mom was appalled when she saw it. She was like, oh my god, Kayla, what did you draw? And the lady was like... That's really colorful. <laughs> it's really colorful. She did. She said, it's really colorful. <laughs> and my mom was absolutely floored. She was like, I don't know why she drew that. Like, I swear, that's not the only thing she draws. And, like, she didn't really seem too alarmed by it. At Like, after the, the, the lady didn't seem too alarmed by it. Once she processed what was going on, like she, it was clear that I was not neglected or you anything just, like you know, that. I had just seen a lot of movies yeah. as a kid. <clears throat> yeah, so that was something I did when I was five I can't years say old. Anything my kids seen Demon Slayer at five, so yep. Yeah, picking and choosing, man. Like it's. <laughs> Mom didn't show me The Exorcist, but she did let me watch Jurassic Park and Jaws. I think the most, like the movie that stood out the most that I probably shouldn't have seen. When I was little, and there's a lot, mm-hmm. but one that always stuck with me was Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh my god! I was very that's a young. no. I still haven't seen that actually. And then I'd love to. there was also was it? Oh, The Devil's Rejects. Also, probably shouldn't have seen that when I was a very. That's small a bad child. one because it's actually a real horror. Like that's people. <clears throat> people are the monsters in that film. And that one actually isn't what tore me up. In I'm going to tattle on myself here, and it's embarrassing, but the one that got me the most and will still smook me out to this day is The Village. Uh, once again. Because the people, people are, are the, the real monsters. Horrors. That was the first one that it connected for me, and that scarred me, like, well, so and it wasn't tragically. Even, it was because you didn't get to see that the people were the monsters. It was like... You, you, I think you said you didn't finish it, and that's what scarred you because you didn't give no, yourself a chance to Mom finish it. always said, like, you need to finish the movie, a scary movie, like, watch it from beginning to end, and you won't have, like, bad dreams about it. Like, that was always her, like, fix for it, and I, I believed it, and it, it well, always Well, for works. some things, it works, yeah. But the village got me because it, it did, it's, it, I was super scared of everybody, like every neighbor, every person, every other human on the planet. It's like, what if they're one of those monsters? Exactly. Like, what if they are? It super got me. Mm -mm. So back to the movie. Sorry. 
<clears throat> this is where we get a little weird for me, and that's saying a lot because, I mean, this movie is very weird, but um, we get in actually into the doctor's office, and the doctor's checking his horns out. Once again, unconcerned. The nurse is unconcerned. They're spilling their guts to him. They're both saying what they want, um, and a lot of which is very inappropriate, and they... Daniel Radcliffe, Iggy, says, look, doctor, just please cut the horns off. Just, put me to just sleep, cut them off, saw them off. Do what you got to do. And they start to put him under with, like, the gas, and we are catapulted back into a really freaking long flashback. I feel so like... where you forget that you're in a flashback, because I yes. forgot, which is, I think, intentional because of how he woke up. Yeah, and I just feel like that there was a, a better way or a quicker way, maybe not necessarily a better way. It's not it's not a bad way. It's just for me that it was a really long flashback. It was a solid like fifteen to twenty minutes of us watching their backstory and watching all these kids that say that all the people that are like, Oh, I'm your childhood friend, you end up seeing Lee, this kid named Meatbag, I think is what they call him, who is Eric and he's now the sheriff. Um, you've got Terry, you've got Glenna, and you've got Iggy. All at this um like logging facility and they're blowing stuff up with cherry bombs which once kids being stupid blowing stuff up harmless harmless stuff there was no one around except for them i say harmless they could have gotten hurt worse but they actually didn't get hurt by the cherry bombs this time and um, you also see bits and pieces of iggy and his family at church and that's where he sees uh marin for the first time and she's doing morse code with her gold necklace because it's like shining on her just right and she knew it was and she saw Iggy and she was like oh he's cute and she started flashing a message to him in Morse code well the dad was the one that recognized it as Morse code but he wasn't reading it and he scolded his son for you know eyeballing a girl in, in church and he after church Iggy goes over and sees that her necklace has broken and is now on the pew so he's like I'm gonna get it fixed and give it back to her you know all nice and heroic absolutely adorable then we end up at the logging facility, and um, he ends up having to do a stunt to get the last cherry bomb. They There's a logging ramp, which is crazy. It's like a log ride. So imagine a log ride type ramp. Like, it's no joke. It's it's pretty comparable, actually, like to the... big old tall water slide, but no swirlies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no water in it, just just the logging ramp, and it's, it's nice and rusty. And he rides a shopping cart down into the water, hits his head, and passes out. Like, he's, he's basically drowning, and Lee has to jump in and save him. Well, Lee saves him, he, and then Iggy takes the, the cherry bomb, and um, Lee is the one that's actually fixing the necklace because he's just able to. Like, he's just one of those kids that's kind of handy. And I think he's a little bit older than Iggy. And he's, he's using tools, and he's like, well, why don't I just give it back to Marin? Yeah, I noticed her, too. I think she's cute, too. Yeah. And he was like, no, no, but I'm the one that found the necklace. And I really, I really would like for you to do this. And he, he's like, well, what are you going to give me for it? And he gives him the cherry bomb. Um, and then we end up with Iggy giving Marin the necklace back. And then... Them kind of liking each other a little bit. Right. And... Introducing the treehouse and how it's their cool place. And before we get there, the cherry bomb that Lee, he ended up lighting it in his hand. And I'm not sure why he did that, because he seemed like a smart kid, but that doesn't seem very smart. They were blowing stuff up with it, including watermelons, and he decided to light one in his hand. And the cherry bomb blew off two of his fingers. But he, he blames himself for Lee blowing his fingers off, and she was like, you really thought that you traded me for a cherry bomb? Because women are just some trophy. 
Yeah. And I was like, yeah, he is a boy. He would think that, that she, no, she wanted Iggy to find the necklace. She, she didn't care who fixed it. She just wanted Iggy to give it back to her. She didn't want it to be fixed. She specifically shot a light into his eyeballs. Yeah. She was like, you come get this and give it to me. But the boys literally thought that it was up to them. Like. Yeah. Nope. It 100% was not up to them. So after that, we kind of come back to reality and, uh, we wake up with, um, the doctor and the nurse using the laughing gas as they're copulating. They were doing it, and that's what he woke up to with the salt Sorry. still stuck in his horn. He was and like, it, what the hell is going on? And it was firmly in there, too. Like, I would imagine if they would have because horns are not like antlers. They're not like they just pop off. Horns are like they have meat in them. So if they would have gotten too deep, like, he would have started bleeding. Well, there was blood on the saw when he yeah. pulled it out. Yeah, so it was pretty gnarly. Uh, Makes you yeah. think of like trimming too far back on a nail and like uh, you the get nerve. the nail bed. Yep. Mm. So he was like, "Screw this! I'm done with y'all. Y'all keep copulating." And then he starts to. After that point, is that when he starts to use use the horns? Yeah, he went immediately to find out more about you know what was going <clears throat> on. He's wanting the whole time. He's wanting to find you know his girlfriend's murderer. He does not believe that he did it for a second and he wants to yeah he wants to go find out who did it so he went to the bar yes and the press has been following him (laughs) since you know they were at his house earlier that day or the day before or whenever it was and when he pulls up the press is pulling up right behind him four or five vans and cars to get out they're harassing him and that's when he realizes, okay, that people are kind of doing what I'm saying right now. Like they're if it's of, what they if they're wanting to do something. Yeah, if they're confessing it. I can kind of ease them into it a little bit. Yeah, and he <laughs> convinces these press people to fight each other to get an interview with him, basically as a distraction to get him to leave him alone. But it worked. Beat the shit out of each other. Yeah, this guy, the first hit is a man hitting a woman straight up. With his microphone, like, he swings his whole, he does not pull his elbow back, like, for a punch. He takes his whole arm out, like, full distance and just, whop, just swings it around. Wallops her in the side of the head. And then she starts, like, hitting people with cameras and stuff, too. Like, she survives, like, totally okay. Well, not totally okay. I mean, they're all, like, beat up and stuff. And nobody dies. fueled right there. Yeah, nobody dies there. But it's straight up, like, rage and and competition and straight up, like, like whoever wins gets the interview. So he uses that as a distraction for the news crew. And then he goes inside and starts wreaking havoc once again. He's like, if anybody knows anything, tell me now. And that's where we see a guy just whip his dick out. And he's like, my confession is basically, I want to have my dick out all the time. Just this all the time. I just want to feel. Yep. Just, and he just whips it out. And then uh, you got the bartender that wants to commit insurance fraud and runs a dog fighting ring back in the supply room. And some of the dogs died. Yes, he did admit to killing some of the dogs. That's sad. Yep. Especially after I saw two, <clears throat> three dead animals on the way over here. You just cry for anything. Although you didn't cry because you have makeup on today. So. I did cry, though. The I'll movie the movie definitely... It pulls at the heartstrings. It made me cry anyway. Yep. I was so determined <clears throat> to not today, though. But your makeup looks fine. It looks fire. A for effort for me. Yeah, you I did tried. good. And so from... In the bar, it's like you got all these people, like, confessing the stupidest stuff to him because nobody knows the answer, but they're all confessing what they do know about themselves. And then somebody's like, 
somebody knows somebody who knows somebody who knows the person that is I that got new a witness. Who's a cop <laughs> that knows that there's a new witness? And she's that waitress that saw y'all when y'all were fighting in the diner that night. And that's that's pretty much all he gets from all of that. And then he walks out of the bar, literally smoke trailing behind him because the bartender committed insurance fraud and caught the bar on fire. And the press are still fighting outside. Yeah, and they're like, but I want my interview! And he's like, leave me alone. Um, and in the process, we also find out he goes and talks to Lee as well and finds out, and his parents... And they all, like, you know, they basically hate on him. They're like, Marin is the best thing that we, it was the only thing we liked about you because you're such a a disappointment, more or less. And um, also the stress that he's brought down on their family, which I get that. That's understandable. They don't got to vocalize it, But they, well, they can't help it. Yeah, I know they can't help it, but still, like, watching the scene of his mom just tear into him and not want him was so hard just like the it the was hard second hand pain from that was like heartbreaking yeah it was it was awful just the things that they said like i cannot imagine my parents saying that and to me even stop. if they can't control it it didn't even stop like she she said some things and then just it kept just pouring out just it just just kept and digging it, a little deeper yeah and it's like i want to write you a letter about it. and she does love her son i don't doubt that she did say that she was like i want to write a letter to you about how much me and your lo- your father love you but we just want you gone. We just want you to leave. Just go away. Just disappear. Hike in Alaska. Do this. Do that. Just go away. And she. And then from there, she kept devolving and getting worse. And then she finally said, "I, I don't I want wish you to be my son anymore." Yeah, I wish you weren't my son anymore. It, it was bad. Um, and then he goes to talk to his dad. Finds out Marin is the best thing about him that he liked because um, the dad never knew how to connect with Iggy. He just wasn't like musically talented like his brother Terry is and stuff like that. And uh, he had an envy for how much him and Marin loved each other. And in a way, it's like, I think he kind of had a thing for Marin, but also not. It was like an admiration thing. It's like, man, she is just an amazing human being. And, like, she loves Iggy so much. And I can see that. And he went and killed her. And that's, and he basically vocalized that he was convinced that Iggy killed her. And then he goes and talks to Lee, who is just chilling, having a sandwich on the heart, on the dock, looking over at the river at the, the log company. And, um... Lee's like, what horns? What are you talking about? He's the first person that can't see him. And because... And isn't confessing anything. Right. Dramatic. No, it's like he, they don't even have an effect on him because in... Uh, Ig, survive, or Ig surmises that it's because Lee is such a good person. Like, he has... Lee has stuck his neck out for everyone. He's He's continuing to defend him. Um, as his lawyer and stuff, and Lee is just an all-around good guy. So he's like, okay, clearly the horns don't work on good people. So why is it that my parents are the ones confessing and stuff like that? That's where we start seeing more flashbacks, more and more and more, actually. Um, And we see the scene where Ig was... The fight that happened at the diner. Yes. He was going to uh, propose to her, actually, and it was very sweet. Like, he was getting Lee involved, and he was getting he Terry involved. He was getting involved. people ready for a celebration. He was getting ready for everything. And then he walks in, sits down, and Marin is very clearly upset. And he's like, Marin, what's wrong? And she kind of breaks up with him. She not, She does. She says that she's moving to California, and she needs to, and she needs to live her life <laughs> on her own for a little bit she's not never been like she's always been with him they've been together since they were kids mm-hmm. she needs to have a little bit of a sense of identity and spread her wings and whatnot 
And then also Iggy kind of reads into it and his like, he's like, is there someone else? There's got to be someone else. Anything that you can say to make me hate you more for doing this because it's really hard to do. Like, I love you so much and I, I need to hate you if you're yeah, just going to break me up with something. me. And she's, and she, um, she kind of all but said that she had a relationship on the side. She never explicitly said it, but she was kind of implying, she said, I don't love you anymore, specifically. That's, that I'm is what she said. I'm not in love with you anymore. I'm not in love with you anymore. Yes. And it's. It, it's open-ended. It could be just that she's genuinely fallen out of love or that she's found someone else that she is now in love with, but she's no longer wanting to be with him. So she breaks up with him. Yeah. And she tried not to like spill any names or anything like that, or say either way that it was just a person or just herself. She just wanted to leave and just be her. And then he um, freaks the fuck out. Yeah. He's cussing at her, yelling mm-hmm. at her. Everybody in the restaurant is obviously aware of what's going on. And he ends up leaving. He storms out, drives off real fast ignores yeah. his brother who's trying to find out what's going on he was expecting he was a coming celebration to play trumpet. yeah yeah and he was like well what's going on and his brother leaves Iggy's just not to be reasoned with right now yep and then we go in the modern day and talk to um terry and figure out that um I forgot exactly how he ended up there i think that he had went to talk to the waitress first and then she admitted to lying, that's she right. lied about whatever she, it was that she was bringing up for the witness statement. She was going to say that he, um, you know, followed her out um, into the parking lot and that he came back and he had grabbed her and taken her in the car. And she admitted that she was just lying just to... She wanted attention. To get attention. She wanted to be on TV. She wanted to be famous. She wanted everybody to see how pretty she was. And this was her perfect opportunity. So she flat out admitted to lying. Yep. Which that was the point where she was like, why didn't he record him or something? Why like, wouldn't literally, he record her or something? Like, literally, that's a confession of a lie. And this person's supposed to be your wit- the witness against you. Like, bro, record it. Yep. Exactly. And uh, But movies. movies. <laughs> I like that that's our excuse now. But movies. Yeah, if you can't logic your way out of it, it's got to be because of movies. Yep. And, I mean, in the heat of the moment, I can, for- I can understand forgetting, like, to record or something like that. But, I mean, other people in that restaurant yeah, heard. Yeah, very, he is very emotion-driven this entire time. He is not driven by logic. He is driven from point A to point B on this next little string of information that he goes on. And he is 100% just all emotions. Yep. And then his emotions take him to the club that his brother is playing at that evening. And um, his brother confesses to being the last person that saw her alive. He slips up and can't well, he help confesses. but confess <laughs> that he was the last one to see her. He had driven her home or was in the car with her post-restaurant fight that night. Yep. And he kind of drunkenly, he, he loved Marin too. And it's, it's obvious when he kind of drunkenly comes on to her, doesn't do anything inappropriate per se, but he like touches her face and he's like, makes her very uncomfortable, made her feel very to the point that when the car is speeding down the road, she says, I want to get out now. I want to get out, stop the car. She opens the door and and he was like, wait, 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 at least let me stop. And he finally does stop for her. And he says, he'll wait for her to come back. And she kind of saunters off into the forest. Yeah, She says, I know where I'm at now. I'm good. Just go. I'm, I'm fine. Just go Mm -hmm. on. And then he passes out and wakes up with bloody clothes, a bloody hand, and a rock in his car. At this point... Quite large rock, not just like a little pebble. Oh, like, no. I, a I didn't head really specify rock. A good head bashing rock, yeah. 
So at this point, my suspicions turned from possibly Iggy, but not sure, just because, like, he's the only one. Like, he could have been an unreliable narrator, so I didn't want to, like, I just didn't want to put all my eggs in the basket of, well, he looks like he's innocent and he's trying so hard. So at first I thought it was him, but then at this point it took a turn, and I was like, okay, all right, suspicious Terry. I don't know, you kind of was getting handsy and you're waking up covered in blood. Yep. So things are pointing to the fact that Terry did kill her. And um, Iggy starts to believe that. And he he actually witnessed this from from Terry's eyes because when he grabs onto people who are like emotionally distressed and stuff like that and they're confessing, like he can kind of peer into their confessions as long as they remember what they did. And Terry there was, was so freaking drunk and he's a drug addict. There was a blank in his memory. Exactly. He and saw that he was kind of coming on to her in the car, but he also saw that he just woke up with blood on him. Yep. So it looks like he straight up blacked out and killed her. Yeah. And based on the fact that he was drunk and high and emotionally distraught. because And, and had just been rejected by her. Yep. So now at this point, Iggy is furious and... I mean, he had him by the neck on the hood of his car, and then the police show up. Yep. And they arrest him for crossing um, jurisdiction boundaries. Because he's a suspect, he can't leave. And They just wanted to pick him up on anything they can, which they admit that. They, they're confessing to him, and they just... Everybody in this town wants to see him... Rot. Yes, in prison. they hate him. Yep. And they really think, because, you know, Marin is such a pure girl, a pure woman, like, they... They absolutely want to see him fry for what he, quote unquote, he did. He did. And uh, Lee ends up getting him out of prison. And then we find out that Lee is wearing Marin's cross. And then, of course. At this point, lines are connected, dots are crossed or whatever. Two and two is put together. And we're starting to realize that, you know, maybe Lee is this side piece. He's saying that there's a lot about Marin that, um... Iggy didn't know. Mm-hmm. There's just sides to her that he would never understand, and they were trying to, you know, make sure that it was real before they ran off together, I guess. Yeah. And also, they didn't really want to hurt Iggy in the process. That's yeah. why they, they waited. Um, and, yeah. Yeah, it didn't turn out so good. I mean, looking back, it, it was like... Iggy could see all the times where they were kind of a little too close when the three of them would hang out. And then, of course, there was the whole, because they don't I like her together. too. What, what'll make you, what'll make you, me give this necklace back to you to give to her kind of thing. When he fixed it, it started with that. There was uh, snippets where she would like kiss, you know, um, Lee on the forehead, which <sighs> that's not something I would do, but some people are very affectionate and a kiss on the forehead is nothing. Especially like since a, like it had cheek, shown cheek flashbacks kiss. where she had started that habit when they were kids. Yes, If it's exactly. something that came from their childhood and that was something that was a habit of them doing and it was normalized for them, then... Right. Yeah. Yeah, so... And I feel like that was a semi-normal thing to do because it was... It was love. It was, it was love. an innocuous sig- like sign love. of care. Yeah. yeah, well... From her. Till they got older. Yeah. Yeah, it was a sign that she cared about Lee and that... You know, obviously that that seems to have evolved into genuine, full-on love, and they were once again they were in a raw together. Obviously, Iggy gets salty that it was Lee that was the one that was you know going behind his back and cheating on him, like you know what I mean, cheating with his girlfriend. There we go. And 
he starts getting really distraught. He ends up talking to Dale, I think, at some point, too. He goes back and talks to the dad. To see if she confessed any infidelity. Which pissed the dad off. He was like, how fucking dare you come up here and after you, you know, presumably murdered my daughter, now you're going to come over here and sully her memory by saying that she was, you know, um, what's the word? Unfaithful. Unfaithful. Yeah. I was like, infertilizing it. <laughs> you were thinking infidelity, but it's Thank like, you, infidelity. But she was not committing, you know, yeah. you know, adultery of any kind other than with, you know, with Iggy that he knew of. Which, I mean, a, you know, a daughter can lie to their father. I mean, we've all done it. I certainly hope. I feel like that's normal behavior. It's just the caliber of how we lie. Don't look to me for any sort of <laughs> I'm sure you lied to your father. Normal behavior. I am positive you lied to your father. Oh, yeah. I mean, he lied to you, so it's fine. It's tip for What's tat. funny, though, is honestly, we probably didn't have very many lies, though. That's what's... Now, he <laughs> he was full of lies, but... He was a lie. He is a lie. He is a lie. You a lie, dad. Clack. Okay, what was we at? Um, so, at uh, this point... At this point, we discover that snakes are starting to follow Iggy around. And you've seen them little bits and pieces throughout, uh, through the past few scenes. three scenes that had shown a snake slithering before he decided to utilize the snakes. Right. The first one was with his brother. He saw the snake in the bushes before his brother came out for the smoke break. And then there was one after that point. I can't remember. And then there's the big mass of snakes that come after him. And then he's like, oh, hold on. This one's my friend. Yeah. Climbed up onto him and he's like, oh, no. All right. Now I got a snake horde that I can use. And so begins act three in a yes. way. Because this is it where he begins to embrace. Pre-horns to I have horns to I can kind of get these people to confess to, okay, now I'm a fucking boss. I've got snake pets. He realizes that he can use these snakes and stuff like that to his advantage. And it's obvious that he has, like, the powers of confession and stuff like that. So he starts targeting people that are responsible for his downfall, per se, and for, you know, the murder of Marin. Which he goes to the the liar, the lady at the... um, The witness, the fake witness. Quote, unquote. Yeah, the fake witness that's lying just because she wants to put a sex tape out there and get her pretty face out there, among other things. Um, he has the snakes actually attack her. And I mean, they're all non-venomous snakes from what I could tell. Like they're intentionally non-venomous because he doesn't want her to die. So he's got all these. He's just punishing her. Yeah. He's got all these pythons and, and boas and things with, you know, and nice jagged teeth biting her face. They, they go straight for her face and he's real, when she crawls out of the car and she's just like trying to process what the hell just happened to mm-hmm. her. He's like, well, it's going to be a while before you're pretty again. As a very much, like, obvious, don't fucking go on TV, bitch. Yeah. And, I mean, she can't now because, like, her only her Reason only motive for it. for it was because she was pretty. And, I mean, she wasn't ugly or anything like that. But it, with her, he knew because, like, she was a vain individual. Yeah. With a face like that, she would not go on TV. And she'd probably recant her statement. And then from there, we end up going to his parents' house where Terry is, you know, doing a couple drugs, trying to relax if he can, because he is also, and he did love Marin, and that is obvious, and he is also grieving. But he was also a drug addict before he started grieving, so it's like now it's just exacerbated. And he's got this whole pharmacy of drugs. Oh, yeah. His brother's like, dude, like, how many drugs are you on right now? And he's like... I've not been well since Marin died, okay? Let's just leave it at that. Yep. And then Iggy really 
uh, he kind of like rails on him like about it. He's like, you literally left me to rot at the hands of law enforcement and like everybody believes that I did it and you were the one that saw her you didn't call an ambulance you didn't call the cops you didn't call nobody and he and you've been a garbage brother and he's like you know what you're freaking right you're absolutely freaking right and he's like I was not there for you and I the one time that I you know didn't stand up for you I deserve everything so Iggy looks at him and he tells him to consume his pharmacy of drugs he said you want these drugs okay take them all Yes. And he's like, and you're going to live through it. You're going to suffer and see what she saw. And I think the, the influence of like focusing on Marin is what made him see her in his, yeah. you know, his trip and stuff. And it, it gets wild. Like this trip, I, I don't know if this is actually what a bad trip is like. I would imagine so. So as someone who has had my, my one bad trip, so I can speak on this. Um, yeah. I absolutely believe that he felt and experienced every bit of that. If he took, I, I, I and we don't know what he took. Yeah, it could have been even crazier because just from what I experienced, like yeah. I very and it much, looks like he did have what you had consumed. He had a bag of that. He had a bag of pills. He was taking it with alcohol. He had another herby substance. Like I can't imagine. Just like, and that's not me saying how we, no. I just don't know what he had felt. It, it, like you know how like you read about like the, the like those theaters that have like the the you know shaking chairs and the mist and the it's I feel like it would have had to have been like that realistic feeling. Yeah, and there's a scene where he's like being consumed by the floor, like the floor has turned into forest, and he has watched Marin suffer, and the floor starts to consume him and vine around him and completely envelop him in these vines, choking him out and choking him out, and he's like literally mentally dying. Obviously, he ends up not dying. Like it, he didn't. He, you know, he lived through it. Yeah. Ig didn't want him to die. He just wanted him to suffer. And, uh, yeah, so that's where his brother ends up in the hospital, all that fun stuff. And uh, after that point, we go to the docks again where Lee meets up with Ig. And this is where shit hits the fan. I don't know. What was it? He He had ripped his necklace off. Yes, they got into an argument because, yes. you know, uh, Iggy believed that Lee and uh, Marin were running away together. Yes. And I they, can't I can't even remember what it is, but I know that the necklace got ripped off. Yeah, it was it was when, angry. That is when Lee can now see the horns. He can see what Iggy is now. Yep. And he starts confessing. And that is where he admits that he didn't mean to kill her is what he said that's like the first words out of his mouth is i didn't mean to kill her so we don't know the motive yet or anything like that but we know that lee obviously is the one that killed her and uh we start fighting and stuff like that and iggy manages to get a hand on lee and And to see what happened she was like please be there at the diner because it'll just be much better. Well, he ended up not making it before, you know, all the crap happened and she dipped out with Terry. Well, he saw and followed. Yes. And he knew, and he followed her through the forest. Once Terry had passed out, he was like, he was excited for their chance to be together. Now that she had broken it off with Iggy, it was their time. Yep. And they could go public and stuff like that. And she's like, embraces her, kisses her. She's like, what? That's when we realized that this is 100% one-sided and Lee is delusional. Yes. Marin was not leaving Iggy for Lee. She was breaking up with Iggy, but it was not for Lee. She has no feelings towards Lee whatsoever. Other than friendly. And Lee freaks the fuck out. He definitely snaps. 
can't handle it. Yeah, and it 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 was really it was it's obviously brutal. obsession is, and fabrication. This is mad trigger and, warning here. Yes, this is where we actually see the scene where um, he rapes her and and murders her. He yeah. smashes her head in and watches her suffocate, just gurgle her way away. Yeah, she. It was miserable. It it was it was, it was a bad death scene, and of course the you know the scene of where he's raping her and stuff it is. It's just so bad. And the whole time she's screaming, it's me, it's me. And it's like, the problem and is he sees that it's you. That's what's the worst she, thing about she's it. She's screaming like, it's me, Lee. Like, you know, you've known me forever. But also, did she say that part then or was it a later part? What part? About her and Iggy where she where she was like yelling that she loved Iggy. Yeah, she did say that there. She said that. She said, she was she like, said I, love I love Iggy, Iggy. more I love than the world. him. And it's like she's clear. It's it, something and that else was even is going more on. Triggering for Lee every time that she says that he just yeah he was like jerking her, her head and, he, and punching he her. Punching and, her. Ugh. Yeah, it was really bad. Okay, so he kills her. Oof, we move on. Yeah, and uh, smashes her head in with a rock. Plants the evidence on, on Terry, Terry. Wipes it on his hands. Wipes it on his jacket. Yeah, and leaves the rock in his seat by his hand. And then he um, manages, Lee manages to fight off Iggy and um, beats the heck out of him with like a, like an anchor chain, chain, like a massive like log chain or something like that. And um, puts him in his car and makes it look like that Iggy committed suicide. Lights the freaking car on fire. (laughs) I know. That was so dumb. Wow. Who would commit suicide by lighting themselves on fire? In their car. In their own car. Yeah. Uh, As opposed to just driving it off and drowning. Like, I don't know what's worse. sense of self-preservation. Iggy starts the car Iggy and drives off. Iggy starts the car off. and drives off into the water to try to, you know, douse the fire. And we find out at some point in the film that people who experience Iggy and his horns, within a few hours, they start forgetting the experience. They forget the confession, the encounter in general. Right. So um, Iggy gets out of the car and the, the police statement is like, obviously, that Iggy killed himself. Well, Lee believes that he was like wow iggy you know committed suicide so i'm I'm scot-free like this is great and um iggy goes and talks to terry while he's in the hospital and he told him that lee did it and terry's like i'm coming with you i'm never leaving you again and um, he's like you're too weak man you didn't have the worst trip of your life you still deserve what you got but i'm glad you didn't die but rest now yeah so at some point uh, he goes to Dale's house and he goes and Dale is like, you know, when I saw that you had died on the news, I was, I thought I would be happier, but I'm really not. And you could tell it's, it's kind of insinuated that it's because his daughter didn't come back. And it's like his, his wife had died of cancer quite some time ago. Iggy's and it, death was not going to make and, it feel better that his daughter was still dead. It yeah, didn't bring her back. The two worst possible things that could happen to the women in his life happened. One of them was murdered. One of them died of cancer and it just destroyed him and... Iggy's death did not bring back the daughter, like you said. And he's, or, uh, yeah, Iggy's death didn't bring back Marin. And he was like, so Marin left something for you, and he gives him a key that obviously goes to a, a lock somewhere that is in the treehouse. And he tries, Iggy tries to give Dale the cross back that was Marin's because it's the last thing he has of his daughter. And he's looking at him, and Dale says, you know what? Marin's mother gave that to her to protect her and I really think that you should keep that because Marin will protect you now kind of thing and um and oh, I just kicked the table 
And he was like, and as soon as he put it on, like the horns started retracting and stuff like that as if they didn't exist. And all yeah. the injuries that he had sustained while he had the horny, the horny form, if you will. And that um, was almost like a little bit of, at least the way that I saw it, was like, not just to take it on and off all the time, but like a redemption thing. Like he, he, he had a chance to take his humanity back. He had a chance. Because he had lot, you could tell when he started losing touch with his humanity back whenever he started like utilizing the snakes and going after punishment with people. Right. He embraced that role and mm-hmm. started wearing the snakes and walking with the pitchfork. But yep. he had his chance to embrace that humanity again and he chose to wear it. And, and he gave Lee the same chance. Yeah, he gave him the same chance. He was like, I'm giving you the chance to do the right thing. In the lockbox we find, and you can see it, it says Iggy. It's a box that wasn't there before. This is where. I was actually kind of, like, working from home and, like, just occasionally glancing at this film and, like, just watching in, like, five-minute increments when I could that I was listening to the dialogue. And um, I looked up at this point, and I immediately started bawling. I fell apart at my desk. Like, I could not control it. It was, like, waterworks. Just, like, I was, like, I'm not even crying, but, like, my eyes are crying for me because they know I should be crying. Yeah, because this is sad as hell. And we find out that the cancer that her mother had died from was genetic. It, there are a few cancers that are like that, unfortunately, so it's not completely unbelievable. It's not like just a movie-made thing. Yeah. That's something that happens to families, and her family was one of them that was cursed with that, unfortunately. And She um, found out that she had that cancer, and she was going to be dying. To save Iggy the heartbreak and decline that her father went through when he lost his wife, she was doing her best to make a clean break. Instead of making him sit by her while she was sick and dying. So, yeah, she left that that box for him for when she died of cancer, not for when she was murdered, unfortunately. And then uh, he, he goes and talks to Lee. So Iggy goes and nabs Lee, and he's like, hey you don't remember what happened yesterday, right? And he's like, no, I'm, I'm just glad you're alive, man. I thought you committed, I thought you killed yourself. Like, what's going on? He was like, well, yeah, I'm pretty much good as dead. Let's take a walk. And we end up at the treehouse. And he's like, just fess up, Lee. Just tell me. Just tell me the truth. I'm going to give you the chance to confess and do the right thing right now. Confess. We'll take you down to the station. This can be over. And Lee didn't know about the cancer, from what I understand. Like, even when he was killing her, like, she never told him about it. She was like, you thought that's why we broke up was so I could be with you? No, you're completely wrong. Lee gets aggressive and actually ends up shooting one of their longtime friends and shoots Terry in the leg. Their their friend, uh, Meatbag, who is Eric, and the sheriff, whatever they call him, he's the sheriff, and he takes a shotgun, shoots sheriff in the head, shoots Terry in the leg. Well, obviously, Ig can't stand for this, so he takes that cross necklace off to embrace the horns. And we see the TikTok transformation that the I was referring full, to earlier. The full form of him. Not just like, oh, I'm wearing a snake embracing it, but he... And have a couple, like, six-inch horns. Yeah, no. he became the devil. He was a fiery lava dude. And the horns grew massive. He started having, like, glowy eyes. Like you said, he had lava skin. Like, it was actually very cool. I really liked it. It looked very awesome. And um, when you're in the devil form, apparently you're hard to kill. So he took, like, four shotgun shots close range like like point blank it was right next to him and then you think he's going down it's like oh wow this sucks he just turns into this demon and then all of a sudden he's like on the ground no he used it as an opportunity to use it like as a springboard and he pushed off and he impaled lee like like right under his like uh liver belly button yeah like right next to his like liver small intestine large intestine area place you'd bleed out pretty quickly um and by the way 
this is like a real fact stomach wounds like that in like the wild or you know wherever if you was to like go out and about and like you would rather get stabbed anywhere else but straight up in the stomach because you bleed out so much from there if you're not like right by a hospital you're not going to be able to do anything to help that because you cannot put pressure like you can like if you have a wound like an arm arm, you can put pressure on it if you put pressure on the stomach it Even a head wound, you can, like, you can hold something on your head. You can't hold pressure to keep a wound from bleeding on the stomach. And then on top of that, if you get in the lower intestine area, you have risk of high risk of infection. Oh, yeah. You're it's almost septic. guaranteed. So anyway, he, he got him in a good spot. Like, this guy was either going to bleed to death or he was going to have a serious infection. Didn't matter. He planned to kill him because he was committed to his revenge. He ends up calling the snakes. This is a very cool scene. Like, the CGI is a little, like, a little weird. But I will say props to the uh, the CGI department. They did a really good job. Like, they got, like, small pythons, like, small python breeds to go around him and, like, constrict him so that he couldn't fight back. And then they got a big, giant, reticulated python to, like, destroy him. him and yeah. <laughs> weave its way through his freaking body on the inside. Yeah, it, it killed him from the inside out. <sighs> And uh, it went through the injury, pushed out the soft, like a soft spot in his back. Um, Wrapped up and around him, went down his neck and into his body completely. Yep. Straight up just like became part of Lee. Very gruesome to watch as well. That's where the snake probably died because that's what happens when snakes get inside human bodies. It doesn't happen in other words. I was going to say, I was like, like you would know. No, I, I saw that experience. one time where it was like, um, there was like a scene where it was like a, like a mafia, like a killed somebody oh, by God. putting a snake down their gullet. Yeah. And it's like a snake wouldn't willingly do that and the snake would suffocate because there's, there's no oxygen in it. Yeah. And then of course the stomach, the snake would die. It would not do that. So yeah. That's awful. It, yeah, people, snakes don't get in people's bodies like that. Unless it's a carcass and it's empty, then it might get in there just to take up shelter. But that's about it. I don't know. Take a little snake nap. A little snake nap. A little snake. So yeah, Snakey Snake goes in, destroys <laughs> destroys Lee's insides a slow and painful way, which I appreciated because you even said the bleed out was too fast. And it's yeah, because like, I was like, just what the hell? Up. Like, he just stabbed him and he's just going to bleed out from his belly? Nope, that's not, not what enough. happened. It was a nice, painful death that he deserved. Um, and uh, that's where we're kind of left. At the end of it, Terry's yeah, like, just like, like yeah, Iggy, Iggy. And, of course, Ig is gone. Like, yeah. he he did take multiple shotgun blasts. He did take some, I want to say he got hit He got more. stabbed with the rake. He ran at him and, like, impelled him with the pitchfork That's right. thing. Into, he stabbed him several times. And, like, up against the tree. Yeah. So that coupled with his injuries that he did have him for, because he wasn't healed. It's like those injuries weren't gone, per se. They were just masked. Um but yeah, this he took a lot of hits before he finally died, and then he was it, the movie kind of just fades away. Yeah, at peace, like he he's narrating or he was talking to um, Marin again, and they were on that picnic blanket. Basically, the first scene from the movie. It was the same scene. It was the same scene, and it was like that was his perfect day. So that's that's how the movie ends. It's is presumed he is that that's where he gets to end up and just and her live too. in that space. Yeah. Even if she's not there with him, per se, it's like he's he living with the memory. that. Yep. And then same for her, too. Like, you, you want to assume that she is also living with the memory of Iggy. So, it's, it's a hopeful ending. It's not necessarily guaranteed. It's not explicitly stated how it ends. I assume that it was him and her reunited. It's, it's put Their in a way that no matter what, it's supposed to be somewhat of a... A resolve, a little bit of a happy ending where there could be happiness. That's, that's pretty much horns. Um... 
is a wild ride. Yeah, definitely trippy. Definitely an experience. If you're feeling if you're feeling up for an experience where you're just sitting there going, "What is going on?" Then yeah, this is for you. I feel like that's gonna be a lot of our movies though, because really we enjoy is. those movies. Like Willy's Wonderland's the same way. I love that movie. Fun fact: um, the director of Willy's Wonderland is doing another movie, and he's doing a horror, like a genuine horror film. It's wow. called The Accursed. They followed us on Twitter. How and long Emma, until they release? I don't know. The... And Emma is doing the music for it. Who is our Willy's Wonderland? That guy. Our soundtrack. Yeah. yeah, our six little chickens guy. Yeah, Emma is doing the music for that as well. So him and Kevin Lewis are working we'll again. We'll have to keep a oh, absolutely. close eye on it, on that project. I've been, yeah, I've been watching it, because I'm like, I'm all for horror films. Absolutely. So, yeah, for you guys, there's a there's a Twitter page for The Accursed. That movie is uh, going to be directed by Kevin Lewis with music by moi. Horror film. Go check it out. As far as horns go, uh, quality, just in general. Uh, we touched on it already. It's a really good, but it's a weird story. It's it's a little outlandish. It's very fantastical, very spiritual. We don't know where the horns came from, other than it like, was kind of... Like, I don't of, have a movie I could compare it to. No, and it was kind of like, implied... Like, I can't be like, oh, if you like this, you'll, you'll like this. It's I, like, I don't have no, there's you. no base for it. It's just... It's its own. Give Just give it a shot if you want to watch it. If you don't want to watch it, okay, too. Uh, it's a good but weird story. The, the horns themselves, like, the concept of him becoming a devil, it's kind of a self-actualization thing. It's like he he kind of wished himself into being a devil because he rejected God so badly for... He was like, she was a church girl. Like, she went to church every Sunday, and why did she die? And and on top of that, he was like, well, maybe I should just... Like, I'm, I'm they see me as a devil already, so what's me, you know, looking like one? So just, like, the, the culmination of events kind of led him to become this devil, this demon. It was... Uh, a lot of it was well distributed. Uh, there was a lot of well distributed comedy. I like the scene with the the newscasters fighting and stuff like that. The 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 smoke and mirrors, like I said, that was it, there was bits and pieces of information you were given that were well distributed throughout the story uh, or throughout the movie, and it was even. I don't though, think anyone's gonna go into this movie and have a guess about what's gonna happen, and it be like accurate on the first try. No, like unless they've listened to this. Yeah. My only, like, one of my few complaints with the film is the whole 20-minute scene that is a flashback. I feel like it could have been done better and paced throughout the film better because there's so many flashbacks in the film already Yeah. that I feel like we didn't need a 20-minute one. It was straight up. It was a solid 20 minutes. Like, I'm, I'm not lying here. But I think that... And there was a lot of story The saving in that. grace with that was he was presumed to be under anesthesia that time. And if the goal was we're going to put him under laughing gas in this scene and then, you know, he's going to have this really, really long montage that's going on in his head to make it more of a shock factor when he wakes up. If that was the goal, that worked. Because yes, I, I will forgot give it that. that he was in that chair. Yeah. So it made the shock of what he woke up to a million times crazier. <laughs> and then it threw yeah. me out because that was so shocking. It's almost like I completely forgot immediately all the semblance that we had just went through in the 20-minute montage. I thought it was something that helped build up how dramatic the movie was if that was different take on there yeah if that was the goal it did succeed that doesn't mean i liked it i feel like it could have been just paced a little better even if it was just like 10 minutes shorter it would have been fine like a 10 minute flashback okay it's still long for a flashback but but i think considering how long his were his flashbacks were when he was like touching people and getting information from them those were quite long but not dramatically long Maybe that's the key here. It's they weren't dramatically long. 
And it, it, like I said, it had a lot of story in it. There was a lot of in, important details that we did need to know. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't have any issues with... Flashback time wouldn't bother me, though, just because, like, there are so many movies that I like where the timelines jump so much that I'm never going to, like, feel some type of way about one scene being too long or too short just because movies like Vantage Point or things like this oh, or jumping movies, I love those movies. So... I don't view it as, oh, that's a 20-minute flashback. Why am I in this scene? I view it as, oh, this is the next scene with new information. Just a different view. Yep. So is there anything that you would like to add as far as the general movie quality? No. (laughs) Okay. Well, I I think it's an odd number of episodes. That means I need to give my rating first. Rate it. I really, really, this is so close to Woman in Black. Okay. Oh, I gave that a four, I believe. It, it was a three and a half. It's a three and a half. See, I said three, <laughs> and I was going to say three and a half, and I was like, That's no, three. because she doesn't do halves. No, so I I'm do gonna, halves all the time. Not as, but like you try to. I gave you, Guns Akimbo one and a half. You try to lean from them. So yes. I was like, you know what? I'm going to shoot the shot and go for a three. I'm going to not, I'm not going to say a half, but I knew you knew it was three and a half. What'd you give it a four? A four. <laughs> You like movies. I like movies. I like That's just why we do to this. sit and just like go through something and be like, wow. 99% of the time if I watch a movie and it switches up like these do, it just, it gets me. And this was a very colorful, very emotional, mm-hmm. uh, not logic driven movie, which is right up your alley. It's right up my alley. If I just keep sitting there thinking, what the hell is going on? <laughs> Bless you. Thank you. The horns were a blessing, We've not a curse. We've been sneezy as hell today. I think it's. I think I got that summer cold from everybody. Like everybody else in my family has had it, except for me and Dad. So I think it's my turn. That's right. Or it's allergies because I forgot to take my allergy pill today. Same. I didn't. Oh, well, I take mine <laughs> so at that might night. Be a I didn't problem. take mine last night. Yeah, I have bad allergies. I went to the desert. Finds out. Found out I'm allergic to the desert. What is what nothing the gross? That you're allergic to <laughs> just just the dust. No, uh, there's the there's a type of grass that grows out there that was blooming when I went, oh, and I went rough. once around the same time, and I was fine. But I don't know if it was like a severe blooming or if it was like my like body developed, and my body developed an allergy to it because I ex- was exposed to it. Because I mean that's typically it's how possible. it works. It's when you're exposed to something, your body decides when it's, it's an a invader. Fresh thing when you're you know. Exactly. And I didn't go for a long period of time. Like, I wasn't in the desert for that long. It was um, out in Utah. Days. Yeah, it wasn't like a Jesus time frame or anything like that. Uh, but I, it's called rabbit's foot grass. And apparently people f- are allergic to it even there. Like, that's their, that's their version of, like, ragweed. Okay. It's, not, it's not ragweed. That's not what I'm saying. It's like, it's, we have ragweed here. It's desert ragweed. Yeah, it's. Desert that's, ragweed. That's their hay fever they get. So anyway, you gave it a four. I gave it a 3.5. Pop Podcast absolutely recommends this movie. And I think that was part of it, too. This movie is a little bit jarring, and that's not for everybody, and I know that. Part three of four in the Daniel Radcliffe series has concluded with... What will the last one be? Yes, what will the last one be? I already forgot. Oh, wait, no. I remember now. Don't know why. It was like a smooky voice. Yeah, because we already did the smooky one. I actually did, like, little question marks that were, like, associated with, like, the film themselves, too. So, like, the first one was... Uh, like Guns Akimbo, like I didn't do a uh, question mark for that one. But then the next one was kind of like a ghostly question mark. And then this one was kind of fiery. The next one is kind of like electrical, kind of, okay. kind of like electric your little, your little 
vibes you're listing things with. Okay. Yeah. So that's kind of a clue uh, for part four of four of the Daniel Radcliffe special. Uh, what do you think we will do next? Also, we take recommendations. Thank you for your patience and understanding. School has started and uh, school has sprung. And I have spring no sprung. sense of time management or how to organize <laughs> anything in my life. So. I mean, it's not like we're getting paid for this. We're doing this out of sheer enjoyment. So, yeah. It, uh, uh, a missed episode here and there is not going to be the end of the world. I thought about doing a bonus episode don't for Friday. Us. Yeah, I thought about doing a bonus episode for Friday the 13th, but then I was like, I don't have time to record it and edit it and post it. Like, it's just it's just not going to happen. So, anyway, we should be on par to get episodes back on track this week, and we will see you for part four of four next Friday. 